Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen of the internet. Uh, you are now listening to Talking Dirt episode number 11. And, of course, I'm your host, Ryan Williams, back again for another wonderful episode. This week, obviously, I'm joined by the, the voice of the common man's racer. We call him Big Papa, but this week, we're calling him Captain COVID. Matt Bridgen, back in the house once again. And, uh, Matt, you're not feeling too good. Uh, what's going on over there? I, I'm sorry if I gave it to you, but I don't think I did. But, yeah, man, how, how's uh, COVID life treating you, Matt? Yeah, I have no idea how I got it, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, it is. I mean, I haven't felt horrible, just felt like a cold, but, you know. Well, I, I, I tell you what, it uh, it went through my house not too long ago, um, and unfortunately, I never got it, but unfortunately, now you have it, a couple other friends of mine have it, so COVID's going around again, so y'all uh, y'all play it safe out there in the, the rest of the world, I hope, hope that everybody's able to stay safe. But uh, Matt, we got something special for uh, for the listeners this week. Do we ever? Do we ever? Yeah, man, this is going to get very entertaining very quickly because for the first segment of the show tonight, we have a very special guest. He comes to us. Uh, I think he's at the lake right now, but he, he's a Sumter, South Carolina driver that uh, is actually a Sumter Speedway Track Champion last season. Ladies and gentlemen, it is none other than the Rain Man himself, Blake Roark. Blake, Mr. welcome to the show. I don't know show. what to do with my hands. That is, Mr. I don't know what to do with my hands. Blake, welcome One to the show. One of my favorite Howard. videos ever. Just saying. Oh, just yeah, he's, hilarious. You talking about uh, the Angie video from a couple years ago? Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, Blake, yeah. welcome to the show. How are, how are you doing right now, buddy? Good, man. Good, man. Just getting down the lake, getting settled in for July 4th. Uh, finally cracking up an uh, ice cold beer soda and uh, just talking to y'all too. <laughs> Got you an ice cold Blake Weiser. That's what we're gonna oh, call. Yeah. We're not sponsored by anybody, okay. so we got we got an ice cold Blake Weiser. Um, you might be no, I appreciate. <laughs> I do. I'm telling you, dude. T-shirts. I, I can see it now. I want 20 percent royalties, but you can have the rest. <laughs> marketing, marketing. But, but no, yes sir, yes sir. Marketing genius over here. Um, but no, Blake. Super happy to have you on the show. Finally, it's been a long time coming. Um, so let's just kind of dive right into it. Of course, we're going to do a bit of an interview portion, and then we'll just kind of let Blake ramble for a little bit because that's what he's good at. Um, <laughs> so we'll start out. Uh, a lot of people know this, but a lot of people don't either. You got into racing, what was it, four years ago now just about? Yeah, three, about three and a half years ago, I got into racing, and, um, man, I just kind of, I was kind of thrown into it, but to be honest with you, I, um, my dad raced asphalt back in the day with, uh, Ronnie Howell and, um, and Ronnie was a crew chief. He ran some, and I mean, we just kind of, you know, as he got older, he kind of just quit with it. And I, um, I kind of started hanging out with a few buddies of mine and going out to the racetrack and stuff with Officer Adonis and Mikey and all them. Well, I mean, I kind of got out there. I was like, I mean, I, it was like my long lost love. I fell back in love or <laughs> fell in love with it. <laughs> Really? So, so you did the that. same way Ryan, Ryan came back about it. Yeah, really. Uh, cause of course I used to go out there with my family all the time. And then for probably 10 years, I didn't. And then started going with buddies again and they got in, invited to work. So yeah, it's a relatively similar story. A lot of people, a lot of people do have that story as well. But, uh, now following that, when did you guys pick up the first race car? And uh, was there one that predated the one that you called Betty White? Uh, no, Betty White was the first and one of a kind, basically. She, uh, we went and, uh, Todd, we got in touch with Todd Corsi and he was, uh, my crew chief and we went to, uh, you know, we were looking for cars. My dad wanted to get into it. And my dad was talking to Todd about finding a car. Well, my, um, dad basically was like, all right, you know, Todd, if you find a car that you think's a good one, you know, let us know. We'll go check it out. We'll pick it up. Well, Todd waited and waited and waited. And I was like, dang, you know, I'm ready to get a race car. Basically, you know, I'm ready to go. Well, he found a car, and I think it came out of Lancaster is where it came out of. And it was um, more or less like a pure stock. And um, me and Todd went up to Lancaster and went and picked it up. And it was a 1989 third-gen Strut car. And that car was, when we got it, I mean, it was race-ready. But, I mean, don't get me wrong, it had some extra ponies up under the hood. Probably more than what was legal for stock V8. But they're like, you know, let him run it. You know, let him get seat time. He's mm -hmm. probably not going to do that good, this, that, and the other. Well, first race, I drove from 16th to second. <laughs> yeah. So they were like, all right, we got to make this car legal now. We got to go through it. <laughs> <laughs> they, 
So we were actually pretty fast. And once they kind of, you know, knocked the motor down and got it more legal, I realized I wasn't as fast as I thought I was. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then following that, you, you were kind of leading into it. The, the first year, obviously, big learning curve, big learning year. It wasn't the best, I'll say. I remember being on the call for most of those races. It wasn't quite the best, but, I, I mean, do you look back on it now fondly of your first year kind of growing as a driver? Yeah, the the first year was more or less just a, it's it's a learning it's all about learning experiences, man. Yep. I mean, at Sumner, you were ra- I was racing with guys who'd been racing, you know, 20, 25, 30 years even at that, you know. So I was kind of the new kid on the block and I mean, I really had no idea, you know, what racing was, you know. So I mean, don't get me wrong, I was all over the place trying to figure the car out and figure out, you know, how to drive. And mm-hmm. it took me a while. It took me about a year and a, about a about a season so to figure out, you know, the general knowledge of racing you know when to pass you know don't pass on entry pass on exit you know slow is fast yep. stuff like that so over a period of time it it kind of ju- it, man it's like riding a bike you know you got to fall off the bike a couple times to figure out how to stay on you that's know? right yeah it, I, hey you, you made a good point like pass on exit or yeah pass on exit don't pass on entry that's some things that a lot of people even today they're not even learning when they're coming up driving so that, that's a great point uh, and then as, as you moved on as a driver, uh, that second year, did you really picked up steam and it looked like you kind of figured it out it, it, almost from week one, what played into that, that off season that just kind of gave you the knowledge and the, the know-how, the experience to come out and be so much better, almost instantaneously as, uh, the green flag dropped on year two. Well, year two was more or less, you know, I kind of know how to drive now. Now I've just gotta be patient and let it come to me you know i if people go out there on i mean you they kill each other the first lap on i mean any given racetrack you know i mean people try to superhero superhero it into turn one and you're like you can't win it on the first lap you know go catch the green go to the back straightaway get in your position and then race you know what i mean trying to go in there and door somebody for a spot on the first lap is just not how i want to drive or be driven at that so and i mean but it, it, it was more or less just trying to figure out how to be up front, how to pass. how And that's the hardest part about racing is learning to pass somebody. And, I mean, that year it kind of clicked over into my head. My second year was, I mean, it, it was the biggest learning experience of my life because I got to travel some. I went to Screven with my stock V8 car and racing against uh-huh. street stocks, you know. And, I mean, I finished 16th, but, I mean, given I'm 200 horsepower down, you know, I'm on stock shocks and stuff. <laughs> from advance running against guys who got built <laughs> shocks and everything, you know? So, and I was mad when I got out of the car. I, I mean, I finished 16th. I was like pretty livid and I got out of the car uh-huh. and um, my dad comes to me. He's like, look, you're racing against guys who have $30,000 cars. Your car uh-huh. is $5,000 on a Lancaster. Hush. You know? So I was like, all right, you know what? <laughs> I really didn't do that bad. <laughs> so shout out to uh, Kevin, Mr. Clean roll art with the words of advice, dude. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mr. Clean. Dude, he's probably going to kill me next time he sees me, but I don't care. Um, so, but yeah, obviously you got a lot better. Who were kind of the people, obviously you mentioned your dad and you mentioned Ronnie, Howe. who were there? Any, was there anybody else that was kind of in your ear feeding you information that, uh, that you have to attribute some of your knowledge now or success to anybody else besides those two people. Yeah, I mean, I've, I mean, even going to like uh, our buddy Banjo or David. Um, yeah, yeah. He he, sh- he shed a lot of light on racing at Sumner in general because that's our home track, you know. So, and Sumner's one of the hardest places to run in the southeast, you know. I mean, if you can get fast there or run good there, you can go just about anywhere and be a top five right. car. That, that's Correct. just given. Those that track. That's so, what I mean, Billy Cagle always told me. Yep. it's hard racing, man. It's hard racing, and I mean, you're fighting over a groove, and you know, you gotta be quick you've got to be on your p's and q's to run at sumner if you, yeah, you think sumner gonna, has that nickname for a reason it does yes yeah l one groove track man you got to drive it like you stole it every lap man but at sumner man slow is fast you gotta a lot of people don't get that you can't drive it down there to the corner and hope it's gonna stick you know <laughs> oh yeah we we've uh we've noticed that a lot uh this season so far but yeah just going back to banjo that's that's just the kind of person he is man i know he's he's one of my best friends in the whole wide world but he's that guy that if you need any kind of information or you're doing anything wrong he's gonna sit down with you and he's gonna lecture you for like 20 minutes on exactly what to do 
and hell, he'll even pull out his setup book and give it to you. I don't honestly, I don't understand it because I'm not that nice of a person. I never, I would never understand it. But he even did it. He did it for you, Matt. Right? He did it. He's yep. done that for you as well. So uh, I mean, my very first time racing. Yeah, he came, hand me his notebook, and said, "Go, go set your car up like this." Yeah, that that's. I just, that's I don't rare. understand that's, it, dude. It I really is. He's such a good myself. dude. He's such <laughs> yeah. a good dude and a and a great brand new dad. Um, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but congratulations to him and Stacy. Um, great father, great mother. They're going to be amazing parents. But back to Blake, the man of the hour here. We we get into your second season. I believe it what was it June. Oh gosh, I'm trying to think of the exact date on your first win. I know it was the night we we're supposed to have ultimates, and there was an absolute monsoon. Okay, yeah. and there the nickname starts. You <laughs> now talk me through that night a little bit because beforehand, the you were kind of challenging for a win. Was there something that you knew that told you that the car would be way better on a wet racetrack, or was it just kind of a luck of the draw that night? Well, it was more or less of, you know, whenever, it, I mean, the monsoon came down, I, um, my crew chief at the time, Todd, I talked to him and he said, he said, listen, because I, I qualified second that night. So I was like, all right. Mm. Yeah, I was like, what do I need to do? You know, what, what, I mean, I've never raced on anything like this. I mean, it was a mud pit. So, and some <laughs> people stuck through it and they were like, y'all going to race, you know? So I was like, I mean, I'll give her the beans and see what happens. So Todd comes up to me and goes, listen, that first corner, he said, whenever you go green, he said, let off early. He said, yep. turn the car down. The car is going to, the car will do the rest. And what man, he should have told you, I'm sorry, what he should have told you was exactly what he told you, except he should have told you that somebody would go flying off the racetrack, which is exactly what happened, if I remember right. <laughs> man, every person, I can, I can go watch that initial start a hundred times. It makes me laugh. Oh, he my said, gosh. He said, slow the car down on entry. He said, just slow it down. He said, I want you to baby the throttle through the whole entire race, and you will drive away from the field. So, I mean, we go in the first corner, and I think Terrell was P1. I think he was on pole. And we go uh -huh. into the first corner, and he pushes right up past me, and I turn the car. I mean, I let up, and everybody, the whole field went to the top of the racetrack. <laughs> and, I mean, I was running on, like, six pounds of air pressure on my left side, so, like, oh, maybe Lord. 10 on my right. So I can't exactly you, you were ready. You were kind of ready. Yeah, whenever we saw that come down, we were like, all right, we just dropped the air pressures. I mean, the victory lane pick picture of that first win my front left tire looks i mean almost flat in victory lane it's pretty rough but i mean i got in there and that first corner i turned and i was that was the first time you know because i mean that season prior you know i had a couple top i mean top fives and stuff like that you know i was running good i just man luck of the draw but i mean that when, when i got up front i was like huh well this is how it is i guess so and at that mm -hmm. point once you're up front man you just you set the pace you run your own race like nobody's right. there Traffic, traffic is one of the biggest factors in racing. People in front of you, you know, people around you. You're always racing against that driver beside you or that driver in front of you trying to change your line to get by. But whenever you're out front, man, it's just like a Sunday stroll. You just turn the car, drive. I mean, I checked out. I mean, the car was fast. Everything was working. And every time I come around, I got a buddy of mine, uh, Troy Turner. He stands on the top of the flag stand at turn one. And he's his arms, you know, he's basically holding up a set of sticks with his arms. And he's just sitting there, all right, small gap. And every lap, it just got farther until I rode by him and looked at And, like, about center of the corner, I peeked up at him. And his arms are stretched out as far as he can. I was like, man, I'm fast. <laughs> you know? Yeah, man. <laughs> so, yeah, you do that that night. Do you kind of remember – um, I know it's kind of putting you on the spot, but do you remember the emotions and all of your first win? What What's that like from a driver's perspective? I mean, the first wins, they have to be kind of like the sweetest feeling you could have. Oh, man, it was it was almost surreal, man. It was it was something that we'd been striving for for, a, I mean, right at two, two seasons, basically. And I was just, I mean, it, it felt like a sigh of relief. But the thing is, once you win, you crave to win like you want mm -hmm. to win like now like we went and like for instance i went and finished seventh uh this past weekend in my street stock over there at lakeview and mm -hmm. you know the car was fast i was fast i just got wrecked going back green and they sent me to the rear i had to drive back up to the field but i mean i finished seventh and they were like you were fast you know but it's like yep. you know i know i could have been a top three car i'm positive of that but it's just you know luck of the draw but i mean you once you win one it's like you nothing will suffice you want to win that bad it's just unreal but it is yeah, it's almost like an addiction yeah it's i mean it's yeah. worse than, 
<laughs> put a needle in your arm, for instance, being a drug <laughs> race is worse than any other thing. It really is. And I mean, dude, it doesn't matter if it's a $300 win or a $5,000 win, dude. They all feel the exact same when you cross that start finish line first. I mean, it, it's it's a crazy feeling. I, I hope to experience it. And obviously, Matt's experienced it before, but I'm, I'm waiting on him to get that first late model win. I don't care if he's won before. I'm still going to drag him through the mud. Did you um, get that? Did you get the drag the drag through the mud celebration on your first win? On mine? Yeah. No, I did not. People don't do that at Sumter for some reason. Like, that's tradition almost everywhere. I've seen it done at Lawrence. I have, I've never seen it done at Lake Dior. Sumter. Don't you tell me the track was dry. It was a monsoon that night. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't nothing dry that night. But, I mean, dude, we did. You remember they had the um, mudslide I don't know if thing. you did this. We had the mudslide that night. I don't. I don't remember if he was involved in that. And he's got his mic muted. I don't remember if he was uh, involved in the mudslide, but yeah, I, that that was an amazing night. I I will never, I'll never forget that. I don't care if we didn't have the ultimate race, or whatever. We had a couple weeks later, but yeah, the mudslide and all that night was freaking phenomenal. And uh, I was there that night. I didn't do the mudslide. I had to race, and I was not getting back in that car. <laughs> dude, dude. I did the foot Taylor race, did it. A bunch of other people did it. Yeah, I did the foot race in the mud slop, and I was like, I've learned that day that I am way out of shape for that from high school till now. So I was like, I'm, I've, I've seen wheelbarrows roll around that track faster than my big behind it. <laughs> Dude, that's hilarious. So we'll, we'll move on from, from that night now. Obviously, you ended up gathering a bit of a following and a bit of a, a, a nickname because for the next month or so, Every time that the, it would rain a little bit or anything beforehand, you would show up and, and you would win. But there were a couple of times that the track was drier, that you weren't able to find victory lane. I mean, were you were you more comfortable on a track that was a lot wetter? Like, just as a driver, were you more comfortable yourself on that kind of a track? Yeah, I mean, being on the wet racetrack, you know, it, it, it taught me also to have better throttle control and, you know, easy in, easy off, you know. Don't chase the car mm -hmm. in front of you. Drive your own race, you know. I learned a lot of good fundamentals from the wet racetrack, but that car, man, I can't say enough about that car. It it loved a wet racetrack. It, it could, I mean, I, it, it did its own thing. You'd go to the corner and, I mean, the car would set itself. you just pick up the throttle and ease it on out the corner. You just had to baby the throttle. That was it. And, I mean... I don't mind racing on a, you know, hard, harder racetrack, but when it dry slicks mm -hmm. off, man, I, <laughs> it becomes a handful in that car. If I could yeah. myself. <laughs> well, you kind of got used to it because you ended up winning a few races on the dry slick track later in the season, yep. obviously in route to your first career uh, track championship. But dude, overall, how many races did you end up winning uh, last season? I think nine. I think it was right at nine. So nine of... 16 i believe i mean that's a pretty good ratio yeah. for a guy only in his second year so i mean like what as you come out of that year what made you want to transition to something bigger uh coming from uh stock v8 well also another thing that played in the fact is everybody around the southeast is switching over to the crate racing usa thunder bomber rules well that car uh -huh. is a truck car and it doesn't fall into the category of the rule book of a, a minimum 108 inch wheelbase a car is yep. 101 inch wheelbase so we looked at that they i mean they said i could run it this season at sumter but at that point i was like you know if i run it one more year and then get thrown into a street stock you know i'm not gonna have any type of learning so far in that street stock well i was like mm -hmm. you know, let's go. me and my dad talked and dad was like um well here we'll start looking around you know get you a street stock we'll find something you know so Michael uh, Stewart, he uh, had yeah, something old, uh, that his old JRC, John Locke over there, John yeah. Rocket cars, and Michael Stewart put it up for sale for a pretty good price for what was what he had on it and stuff. So we jumped on it. I called Michael Stewart and I was like, "Hey, hold that car, give me a minute." Talked to my dad, and um, my dad was like, "Hey, look, this is something you like, you know." And I know it's a well-built car. I mean, mm -hmm. it won the big ten thousand all race at Scriven. I think the year prior, I think, honestly, or two years prior. But, I mean, I knew, I knew it was a fast car, and I knew it had potential. So we went and picked it up. And, um, I mean, it, from that point on, I had to get into a street stock to get a good 
learning experience. I mean, these guys are free stocks. I mean, mm-hmm. you're running against, you know, Austin Rodonis, you know, Banjo now. I mean, all these guys at Sumner who are fast, you know, they're up front. Yep. Drew Sue, these guys, I mean, they're all fast. So I knew I had to get in the free stock, get some seat time, practice it, get everything running right, and be, to be able to be up front. And I knew I just wasn't going to hop in it and figure it out because that caliber of driver and setup and the chassis and everything that comes into play from a Thunder Bomber class to a street stock class is a whole different ball game. I mean, you you run spec shocks and Thunder Bomber versus, you know, <laughs> nice shocks is what I'll say. Yeah. And street stock, you know, so there's a lot of factors that come into play of changing the car. I mean, I got in the street stock and I mean, I had to learn what adjustable brakes were because I've never operated them. I was like, so mm-hmm. if I turn it this many times, it does what? So if I go the other way, it tightens it. Okay, got it. You know, so yep. <laughs> yeah. I had to figure that out. I got in there. I talked to TJ White. I was like, hey, uh, you mind showing me what <laughs> this does, basically? <laughs> I mean, I've seen them in cars. I, I knew so, basically what they do. I knew you just rear brake or front brake, but, but yep. not, you know, the car goes and gets a little tight, you know. But I mean, it's a, it's just a more of a learning experience getting into that car, the new car, the uh, new street stock. And I knew I needed to get out of that car because I couldn't run it anymore. And it was a hard car to part with, man. It was a hard car to part with. Mm-hmm. Well, as I would say, y'all, y'all held on to it for a long time, for a while. You kind of hinted it at pulling it back out because you could race it at Sumter this year. But I heard you, you ended up finding a buyer and hopefully we're going to be seeing her again sometime soon. Uh, if, if, that, yeah, hopefully uh, so. if it works out. Yeah, that I car, man. I didn't mean to cut that, you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that fell out of Hartsville ended up buying it. So, and hopefully we, we see it again. I, like I said, I, I don't know where he, he's going to race it. Uh, probably Lakeview maybe because it does fit into their, their stock eight rules. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, moving forward into the street stock stuff and into this year in particular, you really haven't had a chance to drive a whole lot. You've been a super busy person uh, for the first, what, two months or so of the season. But now that you've, uh, you kind of, you said you got the bugs worked out. Like, what was going on with the uh, with the car early in the season? Because you, you, to me, you had said that there was stuff that was wrong with the car. You had to work it out. Like, did you figure all that out? What was going on with it? Yeah, so we initially, we got the car, got the motor in, got everything set up, and we went and practiced it at Lakeview, and it ran about, I'd say, give or take, uh, about 15 laps or so, and the car started picking up a sputter about center off from the corner. I'd set it, and the car would it enter fine, but about center off, it'd start, you know, it'd just start popping. It just started bouncing RPMs, and I was like, all righty, uh, something's not right. So we pulled it back in, and, you know, we, we changed the, some fuel lines on it, check distributor, uh, the box on it. I mean, we went over the car pretty well. Um, Ronnie, uh, Ronnie out of Ronnie Howell Motorsports and his son, Tyler Howell, they went over the car and I mean, we thought we kind of worked it out and went and ran it at Sumter. It did it again, man. We fought this problem for, I don't know how long. And we've changed everything from fuel lines on the car to changing whole distributors, went to an HEI old school distributor. And I mean, Hmm straight wired it changed master switches all this blah blah so on and so forth well we went um went and practiced it this past weekend at uh sumter and it was still sputtering and um i think ronnie kind of narrowed down the problem at that point we were just going to change everything from the fuel cell because <laughs> it was a fuel problem we kind of figured that out we were going to change everything from the fuel cell all the way to carb and you know see if that changed it well about three o'clock in the morning i get a phone call from austin he said, hey, man, bring it by the shop. Let's check it out. You know, uh, let's just see. We can figure it out. Try to, you know, just look over the car, you know. And at, at that point, I was like, you know, well, let's see. So I took the car over there, and I'd say about by 3. At 3 o'clock in the morning? Yeah, at 3 a.m. Oh, yeah, because yeah, we got back from practicing. I went and ate at the house, and um, Austin and them were working on their cars, of course. So he called me, and um, I, he's like, hey, man, I'll take a look at it, you know. And um, he's a good friend of mine. He's he's really racing, uh, racing Klein, man. He knows yep. stuff about how to fix cars and whatnot. And um, and we, I took the car over there and we set it or pulled the side panel off and pulled pulled the fuel filter. I mean, this was after we checked a couple of other things. Pulled the fuel filter and it was messed up in there. So we put a new one in, got it, uh, put everything back up and fired her up and 
ran her down the road and she sounded like a new animal. I mean, that car, you could hear her running. She sounded like brand new. I mean, it, it, was, it was pretty good to hear a car, hear the car, you know, not sputter, not pick up a weird sound or anything. So we finally got it worked out. All the kinks are done now at that point. So, so you get it worked out Saturday morning, then decide to take it Saturday night. And that's where, this is where we'll let you talk about your previous weekend of, uh, of racing here. You took it to Lakeview. A uh, bunch of cars actually showed up for this race there. They had, what, 17, 18 street stocks. And, heck, we at Sumter had, I think, 17, 18 as well. So a good good weekend for street stock racing. Uh, but, yeah, how how did the weekend – or how did the uh, the Saturday night go for you? Where did you end up qualifying? Yeah, we uh, went out there, and, I mean, <laughs> we pulled in pretty wet. So we went out there, and uh, I, I was – this is the first time in the car basically there while the car is running good yep. and we went there and i mean the car i put too much air in the tires so i was a little bit i had a little screw up on stagger basically but qualified 12th and i got out and i was like man i'm slow sat in the other and like you qualified 12th i was like well i'm faster than you know most so let's let's see if we can improve from there and i mean i knew it was a personal screw up on my driving ability i was chasing the corner and overdriving but um ronnie told me so just slow it down you know it's gonna come around tracks gonna be hard and you know, then, then we can, you know, see what she can do. So, and she didn't sputter. So the sputter was gone. So that was more or less, I was excited about that. There was, it wasn't a matter of go win, you know, Saturday. It was more of run a good race, run a full 20 lap main, get out there and see what the car can do and critique set up from there. So, and I got out of the car and I told Ronnie, I was like, man, this motor that you built and the setup you've got on this thing, it is fast. And yeah, dude. so, I mean, I'm going from a, 14 to one steering box in that stock car to a, you know, eight to one. <laughs> so say, yeah, a, that's a big difference. Uh, it, yeah. I mean, the old car I had to, I mean, basically do a three point turn to get through the corner. And with this one, you turn it <laughs> half, half a steering wheel turn and the wheels are almost locked. So I was like, all right, hold on. got to figure this out. But man, she ran good. Um, main event come around and starting 12th, I was starting outside. So I was like, all righty. Um, everybody's going to hug the, I mean, the grip was right there. I mean, you were running a foot from the inside guardrail. So I was like, great. I'm starting outside, you know, but on the brighter side of things, I started behind my dad. So I was like, okay, I can follow him in, you know, get up under him. And, you know, I know he's not going to, you know, run me over. <laughs> so right. I turned, we set the, I set the car in the corner and it bit up. Like, I mean, I haven't had a car sit that hard in a while. And then those Monte Carlos versus, you know, a Camaro style car, Man, it, I mean, you go in the corner, the whole car rolls over. It feels like you're fixing to flip the car in the center of the corner. So, I mean, it's a whole different feeling, you know, of uh, like a whole different driving style per se. So I've had to ch take everything that I've learned over the past basically two and a half years of running that stock car. Now I'm having to set a car on entry. You know, it's totally different to me now. So basically I'm just a new fresh street stock driver who's having to start all over. <laughs> goodness son well i mean obviously you you seem to be doing pretty good because you were able to salvage a, a what a seventh place finish up there uh dude they had yeah. a heck of a, a lot of really good street stocks so you can't be too too disappointed with that one but before we let you you go and enjoy your your uh memorial or excuse me independence day weekend blake I mean, where do you yep. kind of see your racing career going at this moment? Because you're just now getting into the street stock, but is this something you think that will catapult you to want to take that next step in a couple of years? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to rush things too much, man. I mean, at this point, I'm, I mean, I wouldn't consider myself a rookie driver. I mean, I've figured out, you know, the, the cars and how to win and stuff. I know what it takes, but mm -hmm. more or less of don't want to rush the, concept of me racing you know i enjoy it i, I it's a it's an mm -hmm. expensive hobby but it's also one of the funnest hobbies but at this point you know if you get so far into racing and it becomes you know eat sleep breathe it and it and it starts to feel like it's a job and you know at that point i don't want it to feel like a job i don't want to feel like i'm you know oh i gotta go do this i gotta go race you know i don't want it to feel like that. i want it to feel you know hey man i want to go race and you know do good and it take and it requires seat time but I know over the yeah. next few years, hopefully, you know, I can maybe move up to a late model at some point. Okay. I know that, so, you know, that's a stretch out in the future, <laughs> but, you know, hopefully I'll be able to race against Matt, you know, one day before too long. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, I mean, obviously right now, though, I wouldn't rush it because it, it's seeming to me to be more and more that street stocks are kind of taking over <laughs> as the the class that everybody wants to run right now because they are more affordable than a late model. They mm. are, come on now, they're, they're getting relatively close, mm. but they're a little bit I more affordable. Cause you're, I don't know. Man, come on now, I, you're, you're looking at... I know the prices of some of these cars, man. I oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of them are outrageous, but you can still. There, there's a lot of them, a lot more than you think. That's got more into it than I do. Well, yeah, but it's you're you're a, a different case. I mean, Blake probably. I'm not going to ask him how much he has in the car that he's driving right, now, right. but it's probably relatively close to what you have, what you have in yours, just because Blake's old big pockets over there. Oh. Uh, no, but, uh, no, he's no, got to let me borrow that motor. He's got to let me borrow that motor one night. I was about to say, if Matt put that motor in his late model, he'd probably get faster. Track record, maybe. Hey, you Track record with Blake Street Stock motor. You got to talk to Ronnie Howe about that, man. You got to talk to Ronnie. That, <laughs> that is my motor builder, my setup man, my crew chief. He's the one that makes the hey, magic. Hey, we, we know him. We know him pretty I'm good. Just, I'm just a hired driver at this point. I'm, I'm a <laughs> just a hired wheel, driver. Man. It's your race car, but Ryan decides who drives it. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not even a wheel holder. man. I'm a steering wheel holder at this point, man. <laughs> <laughs> but if if y'all didn't know, Blake is literally the coolest person to talk to because after we get done racing, almost every Saturday night, he will come into the payout booth and just sit there with me, Sissy, our track promoter, uh, Cody and Cody. The the Cody and Cody, they're they're like. They got the same name, but they're polar opposites. If you, if you know the two Cody's, um, but yeah. Blake will just sit there and and bull crap with us for like hours and hours and hours. And if you've never met this guy and talked to him at the racetrack, um, definitely need to. I'm gonna tell um, you what though. I, what's up? There was one night I can't remember what night it was, but I was I was walking back towards the pit area, and then next thing I know, I see Blake walking towards me. Dressed out in full like tux, everything. I'm like, dude, yeah. wearing a tux yeah. to a dirt track. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, this man. Yeah, Blake's done some crazy stuff. Now, another the closest thing, thing I've seen to that would, would be the flagman for the Carolina Sprint Tour. Other than that, I've never seen. Well, you know why he does it. that? Of course, his name's Kevin. Yeah. You know why? Yeah. You know why Kevin does that, right? That yeah. is the traditional garb of a flagman up north where sprint cars used to be run all the time. And he brought it down south. He's the only flagman that does it, and he's he's one of the best in the game. So shout out to Kevin with the Carolina Sprint Tour. But uh, one more thing I wanted to ask Blake about before I let him let him go enjoy his night here. There are there was a set of photos that was released earlier this year of uh, you in very provocative positions up against the race car. Um, oh God, <laughs> I know that, 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 I know that matches your personality, but, um, was that your idea? Or was that, uh, your photographer, Angie's idea? So, uh, Angie, she's uh, one of the greatest photographers that comes out of something. Probably she's amazing. Oh, yeah, amazing. Her, her photos are awesome. And me and her have this little thing. So basically I come off whenever I'm on the track, you know, I'll run and practice or qualify the car and run the main or whatnot. But whenever I do come off the track. I always pull up and I shoot her the bird every time. It's something. So all the pictures. Turn that to somebody of, else and, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just do that to her to mess with her and stuff. And she takes some great photos, but she was like, Hey, I'm thinking about doing a photo shoot, you know, and doing like a little pick of you, you know, you with your car, to, something to have memories of your car, you know? And it was my new car. Uh -huh. So I was like, sure. Why not? So we, uh, she came over to Ronnie Howe motorsports and, um, we pulled the car out the trailer, had it cleaned off and everything. And she just did some of those photos, you know? And I mean, her photos are awesome, man. They're on my Facebook, and she does some phenomenal work. She did some other pictures with Aubrey, Aubrey Grimsley. Her photos came out good. She just, she, mm -hmm. you know, she takes the time, and man, she—I mean, I, she, whenever she got there, you know, she, she, she brought me beer to take pictures with at, or with really? the car. Yeah, she brought me. Yeah, that's awesome. Back. I was like, Angie, come on now, you didn't have to do all that. <laughs> Should have looked down at and and. Oh man, that's amazing, dude. Angie, she's such a darling to to hang around with. Um, one of the nicest people at yeah. the racetrack every weekend. But uh, yeah, man, I, I this has been so much fun, dude. I I've really been trying to get you on the podcast for so so long. Uh, anything else that you want to talk about? I know I know we've been waiting on this day for a while. Is there anything that you've kind of held the back of your mind? What anything that Blake wants to talk about first? 
Yeah, man. I mean, hopefully um, we've got the car, uh, you know, firing on all eight cylinders now. And I, I really do think, you know, with some more, a little bit more seat time, man, I really do think we've got a win coming right around the corner. Um, my sponsors helped me out. You know, I can't thank my mom and my dad enough for supporting me mainly in, you know, what I love to do. You know, I mean, they, if I'm, you know, middle, if it's Thursday, I'm like, hey, let's go run here Saturday. They're like, all right. So, they, you know, they never bat an eye. They're just like, all right, sounds good. Load everything up, you know. So it, it's, you know, them helping me do one of my biggest passions now that takes basically runs my life now. Everything revolves around racing. But, I mean, all my sponsors that come into play, you know, Outlaw Inc., Outlaw Automotive. Uh, um, Shout out Jesse Baker. That's my boy. Uh, yeah, he, uh, uh, Phil Y'all Firearms, they've come in, they have came on board this season or this past season. And they're, you know, all these people that help me out so much. But mainly Ronnie Howell Motorsports, man. They're, they're my prime sponsor. They work on the car. And, I mean, they do everything that they can to make me stay up front. And they've done a really good job with that last year with that car. You know, Ronnie put his motor in that white car, and it took off. It was nine wins. I mean, it was three in a row. It was one after the next. And they just – I mean, it got easier and easier, man. It was awesome, you know, knowing I could go to the track. And Ronnie's like, all right, go win. You know, he just turned yep. me loose. And um, a couple of my other sponsors, Brewers Bar and Grill, those guys, I mean, he, uh, uh, Josh Peters, he he gives me money. I'm like, hey, man, you know, I need some more cash. <laughs> Keep me running, you know, help me out. <laughs> he just he doesn't bat an eye. He, he supports me. He's one of my big supporters and stuff. And um, But my family, uh, Palmetto Subs, they uh, and uh, BHB Directional Drilling Company, they, uh, they, they, my family, you know, works their butt off, and I work my butt off just to, you know, be able to race every weekend, you know. And here you are living, living your dream and so many other people else's people's <laughs> dreams too. So, I mean, dude, it's, it's, it's ridiculous the amount of support that we all get. But one more thought that I just had, I want to get with Angie and we need to do a Sumter Speedway calendar for next year. And I've got to have a picture oh, of you with the beer and the booby and all that in there somewhere. Oh, I, I, it's, it's now an idea in my head. I'm going to make it happen. Blake's going to be, well, when's your birthday? Uh, April 8th. You're going to be Mr. April. Hey, it's perfect. Mr. Mr. April. Here we go. You're going to be Mr. April. Dude, Sumter Speedway calendar. CSC Angie, make it a thing, please. I would absolutely love it. But, uh, yeah, Blake, I I really, dude, I really appreciate you for finally coming on the show. This has been a freaking treat. Um, First off, uh, have a wonderful 4th of July weekend, dude. And I can't wait to see you hopefully next week. Uh, And, uh, yeah, best of luck in the future. Matt, is there anything that you want to ask Blake before we let him go? Uh, nah, man. I'm, I mean, I think you got pretty much covered. Leave it to Matt to never have anything. All right, Blake, dude, I really appreciate it, man. Uh, man thank I you so much you. for coming on the show. I appreciate y'all for having me on. And, man, we're at the lake and everybody's eating inside and whatnot. But hopefully next time we'll stay on for a little bit longer and we can talk more about Matt's racing and everything else in between. But uh, I appreciate you for bringing me on, and hopefully we can do it again soon, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, we'll catch you next time. But in the meantime, me and Matt have a, a couple of races to uh, to go over here. Uh, first off, we're going to uh, give some rundown from uh, the race that Blake actually was at over at Lakeview Motor Speedway this past weekend. I believe, Matt, was it just a, it was just a regular Saturday night show this past weekend, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if all the classes were double points, but I know Lake models were. So late that's, models that's were all I know. late models were double points, and let me just go down here and find some uh, some of the results really quickly. Uh, I heard Matt though that that late model race was kind of crazy. Um, yeah, I heard it got a little wild. Heard, yeah, I heard it got a little wild. Uh, there was an incident very early on, and then your cousin Johnny Pridgen, um, Johnny Pridgen actually ended up with the lead at one point, but then soon after he was having troubles of his own, right? Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think something fell off his car and he ended up roll, uh, running over it. I, I'm not sure what the case is on that. That's what, that's what I think I heard. But, um, yeah, he had a flat tire, had to come in and change it. And then, But he would come back to uh, finish in the fourth spot. Your winner yeah. of that race, uh, the uh, Chris Blackwell ended up actually winning that one uh so great win for chris blackwell two thousand dollar win over christian thomas michael marlowe colby generate uh and uh johnny pridgen i believe rounding out the top five um actually a cool thing speaking of christian thomas i actually saw today on facebook where somebody made a custom painted pair of vans for uh one of the the uh, crew yeah, members that. of that crew dude that 
is sick. If y'all haven't seen that, go check it out on Facebook on, uh, I believe, Team 06 Racing there. Uh, Lakeview also had the Punisher Super Street Series, which um, those cars are bad to the bone. I absolutely love the There look. was some drama in that race. Was there? Yep. Do tell, uh, Mr. Bridgen. There on, on your front row, you had Chris Powers, and I don't know who was the outside pole. But apparently uh, what happened was they went down the straightaway. They were hitting each other, and then they went down into turn one, and dude out on the outside pole just drove Chris Powers straight to the tire. Um, oh. Yeah, it hurt the car really bad. And I feel like this happened a couple of times at Lakeview recently. That that car is is a very fast car, and he doesn't take it out much. I, this might have been his second time this year uh, racing it. Uh-huh. You know, to get you get done like that, it, you know, it's, it kind of sucks, but that, that's, you know, pretty much that. That's racing nowadays, man. It really is. People are yeah. getting a lot more aggressive. We've talked about it before. They're getting aggressive, and, and th- things are things are happening uh, right now. But, uh, yeah, in that Super Street race, $2,000 to win. So, I mean, there was there was plenty of uh, reason to be to be hard yeah. on the, uh, the wheel this weekend. I'll, I'll give them that. But uh, $2,000. To the winner, I'll see if I can pick out who it was here. Johnny Moore. Yeah, it was Johnny Moore. That is that is correct. Uh, Johnny dad's, Moore. Um, his dad's the one who helped me the other week when I when I had to replace the power steering belt out the track. Oh, dude, that's awesome, man. Um, I've, yeah, I've I've ran I've been around him since uh, go the go kart days. He he they him and his dad helped helped us out a lot when. I was racing go-karts. So. Hey, that's awesome. Back. So, yeah, big congrats to Johnny Moore. Huge win for the Punisher Super Streets, and that was $2,000. And then finishing second to him was Justin Kidd. The Erwin Rocket, Ron Pope comes home third. Hunter Denny, David Royal round out the top five there in Super Street. Street stock, as Blake was talking about earlier, saw uh, Cameron Norris the fourth go to victory lane. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, it, it was unofficial. I believe it's now confirmed that Norris was the winner there. I'm just reading a rundown uh, that was on the Lakeview uh, Facebook page. Again, I believe he was protested on the engine, and it, and it came back clean. He he was the winner. So second was uh, Mike Wells, Daryl Moran four, or third, Michael Butler fourth, and Martin Sweat rounded out the top five there in street stock over at Lakeview. I believe Tom Lovett goes to victory lane in stock V8. Now, Tom, he's an interesting guy. Matt, didn't Tom Lovett drive a street stock for a couple of years, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, he did. He, he was in a street stock before they really went crucial. Well, I thought that there was a rule at Lakeview that if you were a winner in another class, you couldn't nah. drive a stock V8. No? No. Nah. It's just Rocky the... Rocky Gaspoy's got wins and all sorts of different classes you just can't drive in two different classes in one night Ah, uh, okay well what was the there was a rule when they first started the class that if you won a certain amount of races in that class you had to move up street style. yeah yeah but that they still changed it they oh. changed it to uh you start in the back i guess uh, if you win like okay. three in a row maybe i don't know okay i got you i got you huh that's interesting Let's see if i can find the uh the 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 rest of the rundown here. Um, so Tom Tom Lovett ended up winning. Uh, Blaze Bryant finishes second. Rocky Gasquet, as you said, was third. Ed Mason fourth. Chip Finoff finishes in the fifth spot. And the, the big story out of that one, remember Matt? Uh, yeah. There was an incident there. Jaden Locklear car got absolutely creamed. I mean that thing looked like a bent up toaster by the time he got done with it. So, yeah, I'm glad that Jaden was okay, and hopefully that uh, Michael Butler and Butler Racing are able to get him back out there uh, for the rest uh, of the season. They're working hard on it, I can tell you that. Well, they got plenty of time because, remember, Lakeview, they're now into their uh, July break. They won't race right. at all this this month, so that gives them plenty of time there. And then moving uh, moving forward into the Sport Compact uh, race for the night, Sumter's Dalton Hodge. Uh, wins again at Lakeview. He wrapped up a, a round one championship for the season, which I thought was interesting. We never covered that on the uh, on the podcast. Lakeview split their normal their racing season as far as points go into two different sections of the season, each paying the exact same. I thought that was pretty cool. 
Um, it's something that I've never seen before that a, a track would split it off into two. And it kind of makes sense to give these racers a, a, a little chunk of added money to, to rebuild during this break. So that, that was a pretty cool move by, uh, by Scott and, and crew yeah. over at Lakeview. Um, and heck, you were, you were just outside of a money spot pretty much, weren't you? You were um, what? Seventh in points or something? Yeah, I was seventh. Uh, and they paid what? The top five? I don't think I would have made it though. No, I mean, but hey, you were close. I was just kind of, I was giving you the segue there. So, so Hodge wins. Uh, Shannon Weaver finishes second. Jason Brown third. Derek Kemper fourth. Trent Herring rounds out the top five there. Jonathan Ward uh, leads flag to flag for the 602 Open Wheel Modifieds. Uh, uh, Jonathan Hux finishes second. CJ Sweat, David Victoria, Kevin Weatherford round out the top five in that race. Uh, they actually raced uh, Powder Puff on the night as well. And I believe, let's see, Tanya Jordan goes to victory lane there. Now, that's another one. She also, uh, for a while, ran uh, SCDRA class at Lakeview, I believe. So congratulations to her on, on another win, hitting her strides uh, at this point in the season. Tanya Strickland, Lindsay Richardson, uh, Mercer, and Selena Moreno. Round out the uh, the top five in that one, if I'm correct. Yes, I am correct. So, again, Lakeview's off all July. That was all the races from this past weekend, but they are off all of July. They'll be back on August the 6th for the Bobby Taylor Oil Company, uh, Larry Long Memorial. And while uh, you're so, in between tracks, what's that? I just, I just want to say um, uh, Dalton Wilson starting on pole for tonight's Lucas Oil Race. Yeah, he is, and you know what? You know what happened last time you said no. that. No, he got quick time at Lernerville, but didn't start on pole. He's starting on pole this time. Heck yeah, dude! I, I would really like to uh to see him do good. Dalton Wilson, ton of talent. Hey, oh, yeah. we talk about him all the time, dude. Ton of talent for for that young man. So we move on to track. Move on tracks here. Uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit about Lancaster Motor Speedway. Uh, they started off the night. See if it'll even pull up here. And yes, it will. They started off. Thunder Bomber Man was the first out. Hunter Thunderberg goes to victory lane once again. That kid's having a great season. Uh, Jacob Thunderberg finishes second. Dylan Montgomery, Dwayne Ray, Shane Vaughn round out the top five in uh, Thunder Bomber there. Uh, late models were up next. Mark Green, Kevin Godwin, Timbo Mangum, Andrew Baker, Chris Fight, your top five. And I want to give a shout out to uh, one of my good buddies who found himself racing up there this weekend. Uh, race monitor shows him in an eighth place finishing position. So shout out to, uh, to David back and them for trying out the half mile at Lancaster. Uh, good to see them have a pretty good run up there. Pure stock main event. Jason Tolbert wins again in pure stock. Peabody Johnson, Bill Stuntler, Colby Waits, Hannah Blue, your top five. Great sportsman. Shannon Adams, Tyler Morgan, Bryson Sweat, Richard Montgomery, Todd Bolin, your top five in that one. Hornet main event, Brad McManus goes to victory lane, Anthony Dallas, Zach Sloan, Hunter Wallace, and Rusty Cato, your top five from that one. Uh, Renegades, you had Brandy Baker go to victory lane over Brent Hodges, Jason Gulledge, Jonathan Starkey, and Travis Green. And the, the one that everybody showed up for, the Kenneth Deese Memorial $3,000 to win in the vintage division, Saw Sean Mangum go to victory lane. Uh, very emotional victory lane for him. Sean Mangum gets the win over Elias Grant, Johnny Starkey, Kyle Norwood, and Diedrich Brown uh, for uh, f to round out the night at Lancaster there for the Kenneth Deese Memorial Race. Uh, one of the Kenneth was one of my favorite guys to see show up to the racetrack with that silver. The I called it the silver bullet in my own head, but that silver number three. Kenneth was one of my favorite guys to see, and I uh, lost him too soon. So, uh, yeah, that that one that one was cool to see them have a, a big race in Kenneth's uh, Kenneth's memory there. Uh, moving on, Matt, let's talk about the race that you and I were both at to round out the uh, the show here tonight. Of course, you sh you ended up showing up at Sumter uh, right before we started main events, uh, but beforehand, the track was in kind of rough condition. We practiced Friday night, and it, it looked like that they weren't able to get enough water down. Um, to, yeah, to I heard keep it, was it pretty sandy for hot yeah it, it was it was relatively sandy and it started getting slick and, and and all that so you had some some trouble for some guys during hot laps but uh they did get out there and put a fresh coat of water on it and, and pack it back down before qualifying 
for the ultimate super late models who were in the house for the the only time this season um but as water was going down dude i i ended up talking to some fans uh there was a fella that he was he, he lived in auburn alabama and they were traveling over here uh for something i can't remember what it was, was off the top of my head but fun fact he was originally from england and moved here uh, so that was cool, and I said at that moment over the loudspeaker, I bet I won't find anybody else who had a further haul than England. Guess what? Next guy I talked to, guess where he was from, Matt? Where? South Africa. Dear Lord. This, this man and his family had cool accents, obviously, and they were from South Africa over here. Uh, I believe they live here now, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, yeah, I, I talked to a lot of people that were stationed at Shaw, so it was cool to talk to them. But the the one uh, the one factor that I kind of gave everybody some heck about was that almost everybody I talked to said that they were cheering for Banjo Dukes number eleven, and I mean obviously I'm, I'm friends with the guy so I poked fun at it. Uh, so if anybody took offense to me saying anything, I didn't mean it in any way. I was just poking fun at David. But yeah, I thought that was pretty cool that everybody was there to cheer on the hometown boy against uh, some pretty big dogs from uh, from the Ultimate Super Late Model Series, including Kid Quick. Zach Mitchell, who in qualifying Matt shatters the track, track record, record. Yep. shatters the current track record. It was sitting at a 14601 uh, for the Supers, 14600 overall. The Super track record was formerly held by Banjo. The overall was held by Steve Banal, who was actually he was in attendance. He, he had a great run on Saturday. But um, yeah, new track record. I believe it sits now at a 14557. Um, from Kid Quick, Zach Mitchell, who who in years past, I, I hadn't been able to get him down to Sumter, and I was really uh, intrigued and surprised at the same time that he showed up and had such a good run. So, yeah, Zach, Zach was lightning quick and qualifying. That set up a fantastic feature uh, for the for the Ultimate Super Late Models. They had a little bit of attrition to start out. Um, it, took them, it took them two or three uh, restart attempts to finally get going, but once they did, boy, was Zach Mitchell fast. Zach had a tremendous lead on second place at the time, which was interestingly enough, and I skipped right over this guy, Matt. I have to go back and excuse myself. Qualifying inside of the top five against the ultimate super late models was the little old 602 crate motor. Not just in the top five, though. In the top three. Excuse no, me. not just top three. Man mm -hmm. put on outside pole. Oh, he did. That's right. That's right. He did out qualify Banal. So it was it was Zach Mitchell, Austin Mintz in a six oh two crate motor, qualifying second, Steve Banal third. And what did we uh, I believe talk it was about Justin fourth and uh Banjo fifth. Yes, Matt, we talked about it last week. You I said that you, the six oh two crate motor was about the best motor for something. No, no, no. I didn't I didn't say that. I didn't say there was a specific best motor. I'm just saying a six oh two, it is if you know what you got going on that car, if you're confident with the setup, you know what you you can go out there and run with the big boys. I mean, Justin I mean uh Austin proved that this past weekend. Well, here's the funny thing, because I talked to Austin Friday night. He didn't bring the car to practice. Um and I asked him, I was like, are you going to drive tomorrow? He said, no, I, I, no, I'm just coming to support Justin, who has a 525. But then I get there Saturday, and here comes Austin with his car. And I said, "What, man, what, what's going on? Why, why'd you tell me you weren't coming? Now you're racing. He said, dude, I'm about to have a baby and, and blah, blah, blah. I won't be able to race for a long time, so why not give it one more shot? And I was like, right. that's, that's the dang mindset. I hear you, big dog. And he gets in there, puts it outside pole, and has a tremendous feature. Uh, of course, the feature, as I stated a minute ago, would see uh, Zach Mitchell lead us from the pole, Austin do his outside, and then row two with Steve Banal and Justin Mintz and the Manjo rounded out the top five there. And uh, on the on the start, Mitchell got a good lead. Mintz was holding down second. And then I believe Steve Banal was battling with Justin for quite a while. Uh, and then Banjo was kind of just right there biding his time. Uh, driver started to work towards lap traffic. We had another caution. And then on the following restart is when uh, Banjo finally hit a stride a little bit, picked up a position over Mintz. Meanwhile, behind them, hard charger for the race, coming from the tail end all the way towards the front, little sexy Cody Overton made an appearance at Sumter, and he was absolutely flying 
in this uh, main event. Matt, you say that yeah, I, you, I ain't gonna people lie. say you I, can't pass at Sumter. That man was passing. Yeah, I, I ain't gonna lie to you. I kept my eyes on uh, up front with uh, Banjo and Austin and Justin for the you know the majority of the race. And I next thing I know, I look up and he's sitting in a top ten position. I'm like, dang, he's moving on up. Dude, you ain't lying. He he was flying, dude. Cody Overton was flying. Um, there was a couple other guys that were doing very, very well. Some of the ultimate regulars that were running there in the top ten, but still in the top five, you you still had uh, Mitchell leading over Mintz, who then I believe gave way to Steve Banal on a restart because the five twenty five was able to put down a little more on the jump, so he got oh, yeah, around. Man. If I I say I said. If if and I know it probably wouldn't have happened, but if that race would have went caution free, I, I don't think Banal would have passed Austin. No, I I honestly don't think so either. But yeah, given the restart, Banal was able to get around him. Banjo was able to get around um, Justin on on a restart, and then Justin's night kind of went downhill from there. Unfortunately, uh, we got to about the the twenty eight lap mark, and and the tires started to go away for him. And he ended up popping a. I want to say it was a right rear. Yeah. A le- she was. It hot. was one she of the hard on tires, man. It was a right rear. She was. She was very hard on tires. Pops her right rear, goes around, and then collects another car. And yeah, a lot of damage to Justin's, Justin's machine. Um, so I'm glad he was okay, and glad the car can be fixed. But yeah, that was an incident later on in the race, and then on the restart from there, we go uh, green to checker. Uh, Banjo's able to get around Mints on another restart. Uh, and like I said, 602s on a restart against the Super. The Super's going to have the advantage every single time. Uh, Duke's able to get around Mintz to put himself into the top three. Uh, Zach Mitchell would then coast home for his, I believe, third Ultimate Super late model victory, his first ever uh, in a Super at Sumter. Uh, coming Has home he second raced again. at Sumter prior to this? I don't honestly don't think so, but I may be wrong. That's why I say first Super late model race. Well, if, I don't if it was, so. that's... That's how you. That's that's the result you want to have <laughs> your first night out of track. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like it's like I, Ross I need Bales learn, a couple years I need ago. To learn, the, I need to learn how to do that, <laughs> dude. It's like it's like Ross Bales a couple years ago. Oh yeah, uh, he, that he was his first trip bit. to Sumter. Yeah, he still, he did struggle a little bit this past Saturday night, which was kind of interesting because Ross was so dominant back when he was with Big Frog, and they showed up to Sumter for the first Gibbons Memorial, and he dominated that night, but. This past weekend, he, he did struggle just a tiny, tiny, tiny bit. Um, I believe he pulls off with about 10 to 12 laps to go. Uh, so, yeah, but it was cool to see Ross Bales come back. in that uh, front, right, front straightaway uh, caution with Justin. Ah, yes, okay. Yeah, yeah, he, he definitely might have. I'll have to go back on uh, on Flow Racing and, and watch the entire event just to re- recollect my memory on that one. But, yeah, yeah uh, Ross... He he's always a cool sight to see at a racetrack though, because you know when he shows up, the, the party, the party is on. The racing is going to be good when uh, when the ball shows up. And Cody Overton, great run. He rounds out the top. Uh, yeah, he rounded out the top five. So coming from the back to fifth, that was a hard charger night for Cody Overton. So yeah, great run for him. But your winner, as I just stated, Zach Mitchell in the the fast fifty seven. Great run for Zach Mitchell. And uh, again, they're they're racing tonight, I believe, as well. So he might. He might be trying to gun for his fourth one of the year, but it was Steve Banal second. Uh, Banjo comes home in the third spot. Let's see who was in fourth here, Matt. Banjo comes home. Oh, Austin Mintz. Duh. Austin Mintz comes home in the fourth spot. And Cody Overton rounds out your top five out of 17 cars. That took the green. Uh, street stock feature. Let's see Banjo pick up his first win of the night over Cameron Holloway, Woody Newman, Tanner Rodonis. And Walker Cockrell. Now Tanner O'Donis started, I believe, sixteenth in this race, Matt. And he drove the wheels off. He that drove the absolute crap out of the car. There was there was a restart moment there uh, where you can you can just hear it uh, over the the speaker. Like if you're wa- back watching it back on flow, and you can just hear me say, "Man, what a power move by Tanner O'Donis!" As he just gets up and drives through the middle of everybody it is great to see him back behind the wheel of a race car um he took a couple of weeks off and to see him back it does the body good and i best of luck to him in the future uh walker cockle rounded out the top five i believe i had already said that uh, following that one extreme four main event 
12 cars in Extreme Forces. Garrett Norton pick up his first career Extreme Four win over Wesley Keller, Chris Nosdal, Joe Green, and uh, Mike Basin rounding out your top five right there. Moving on from that, we had the uh, the Southeastern Hornets in the house uh, where we combined our Econo 4 class and the Southeastern Hornets. This was a crazy 20-lap main event. Uh, after qualifying, they had a, a top six redraw, um, which shook things up even more. I believe Chris Meadows started from the fourth or fifth position in this race. And when I tell you that these guys were on each other like Wino Rice, I'm not even joking. From from green flag to checkered flag, these guys were no more than a car length and a half apart. One of the best races that I've ever seen at Sumter. Um, and hopefully the uh, whenever SCDRA comes, they're just as good of a race. But again, Chris Meadows lasts over everybody. He passes Scott Kleininger late in the race and will come home with a victory. Kleininger second, Travis Jamison third, Justin Harris fourth, Trent Blackwell rounds out the top five there. And your highest finishing Econo 4 car was Willie Hill in the 132. Modified four sees Jack Jordan take victory over Josh Williams. Um, Super Street sees Banjo Duke get his second win of the night. He'll beat out Tony Truett, Drew Shealy, Cameron Holloway, and Mikey Corsi. Your top five. Thunder Bombers, Matt, 20 cars 21. show up. 21, I heard excuse it was me. 21. Yeah. 20, yeah, it was 21. 21 cars show up in Thunder Bomber, and a great drive sees Chucky Nicholson take the pole position racing chassis number 01 to victory lane over Walter Anderson, John Harper Livingston, Bubba Kolb, and Chris Stewart. Your top five. And I believe that did it for a long night of racing at Southern yeah. Speedway. Matt, you were telling them uh, Saturday night, dude, it's almost, it's almost crazy how if you go to Lakeview, we're done at 10. If if you come to Sumter, Lakeview's done at 10, and we're done at 2. Yeah, it, it, it never fails it, everywhere I go. It's like that. It, dude, it really is, man. We. I had been so used to getting home at, at 10, 30, 11 o'clock that I was absolutely drained. Didn't want to talk to anybody when uh, when that event was yeah, over. It was a long, was a long but, night. Um, it, was still, it was a fun night. It's always oh, a yeah, fun time. It's on the Speedway. Um, I guess, unfortunately for you now, you're, you're down and out with the COVID for a week or two. But, hey, we'll... Uh, I wasn't racing none anyway. So. Exactly. Your, your next race is what, Lancaster? No, that ain't till August 20th. Oh, I thought I was. What's their next race, Matt? Well, <clears throat> depending on if I if I take another COVID test and I and I'm good, um, I'm gonna be at something next week. Ah, come see me, big dog. Come see me. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that'll about do it for all the time we had here tonight, Matt. Was there anything else that you saw over the weekend that you want to talk about on the pod before we get going? Or are we gonna save it for next week? Uh, yeah, actually, there's there was some uh records made this this uh oh. past week. Which everybody's done seen on Facebook because we took too long. Blake held us up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but big news in uh, the Dirt World. Uh, you got Jade Evid. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Uh, got the um, first Extreme Outlaw Midget race. Uh, first female winner in that. It's awesome. So that's that's pretty neat. And then you got Brandon Overton. Um, what was it? He uh break breaks the tie with Josh Richards, becomes the solo leader in victories for the World Outlaw Tour with seventy nine career wins. Awesome, so, you know, just some 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 that tidbits are of, of racing yeah. news. So we've got heck. You want to real quick? You want to do some? Uh, you want to do some picks for this weekend, Matt? Uh, for which races? We'll do uh, we'll do Lucas Oil tonight because they're already racing. Uh, of um, course, Dalton Wilson. I mean, you're gonna take Dalton I, I Wilson. Looked up, they they had like a four or five lap. Uh, I'm watching it right now. They had a four or five lap green flag, um, run, and dude, he was leaving Devin Moran. Absolutely leaving him. Well, just because you took Dalton, I'm gonna have to uh. I'm going to have to go out of my way here. I will take, I'm pulling up a lot of time to see who all is there. I'm just going to take the man out of the fourth spot right now. They're, they're almost 20 laps in, but I'm going to take T-Mac. Actually, you know what? I'm going to take Tyler Herb. Tyler Herb is going to come from fifth in the next he, uh, 30 no, laps he and got, win this he one. Got, he was in, involved in a wreck 
he's got some pretty heavy body damage. I mean, he's still running. Well, hey, he's still wheeling it then. So uh, Brandon we'll, Overton just got in a wreck too. He he was in the pits. I don't know if he's back that's out or no not. Bueno. All right. Well, before we go, one more pick them for this weekend, Matt. We'll go Cherokee Speedway this Sunday for the the Robbie Weaver Memorial. Uh, my good buddy Hunter Weaver going to be on the call for that one with the Blue Ridge Outlaw Late Models, Matt. Cherokee Speedway, Blue Ridge Outlaw Late Models. You got a lot of there. Ah, oh, you goober. Yeah, I'm I'm agreeing with you on that one, but I'm going to have to take somebody else. So, in that case, this one came hot down the pipe shoot today. I'm taking Little Sexy Cuddy Overton to get a Blue Ridge Outlaw Late Model win at Cherokee Speedway this weekend. But, ladies and gentlemen. Do you bring the Super? Yes. <laughs> yes, Ooh, yes. I don't know. Yes. That, he, yeah, you might Ooh, have me on that boy. one. Yeah, he, Cody know. Everton, he's going to be hard to beat. I don't know. Didn't wasn't, wasn't Matthew Nance uh, a helping hand to Overton when he was driving for uh, – didn't he drive for Rum Runner? Well, uh, Matthew Nance does all the body work and stuff for Rum Runner. Yeah, so that's how that's how Matt ended up in the in that uh that driver's seat for a little while. Yes, yeah, so, um, so yeah, he was helping out Cody and Brandon back in the day. Bit. I don't know. I, you never know with with Matt Nance. He's a great driver. Of course, you got other guys to watch out for, like uh, Mark Dysart, Scott Shirey, Elliot Sanders, uh, Eddie Bags. So 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 many more. They got a good car count tonight up at uh, Tri County to for the Blue Jolly Late Models. Yeah, Banks Banks weekend. should be there this weekend, I believe. Uh, Banks again, one of my my favorite guys. Uh, done an yeah, interview with good. him in the past. He, he ran very well this past weekend. Um, his first time ever trying a super late model race. But but yeah, guys, uh, we're running out of time here tonight. So for Matt Pridgen, I've been Ryan Williams. This has been Talking Dirt, episode number ten with special guest Blake Rollwork. Hope you've enjoyed your uh, your little over an hour here with us. And uh, we're gonna try to get back on schedule next week. So hopefully next Thursday you'll be right back here with Talking Dirt episode number eleven, and we'll get right back at you. See you guys. Peace out, Girl Scouts. And later, Gators. <laughs> <laughs>